0: I give you praise, O oh living God. I worship you, Holy Savior. You are great, Lord, and you are mighty. We love you, Jesus. We need your holy hand, your great and mighty touch. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you for your glory and your grace. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible, I'd like to turn to Matthew's account of the one gospel. Matthew chapter 15. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Lord. I am very happy to be in God's house tonight and to be a part of what God is doing. And to enjoy his presence. The presence of the Lord is what we come to church for. We come to be in his presence. He's a great and a kind and loving and wonderful God. Everybody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Matthew chapter 14. want to read a particular portion of scripture. This is where Jesus has fed the multitudes in uh, Matthew chapter 14, I'll begin at verse 13. And the scripture said, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, for the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. Please pay attention at this point now. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. I'd like you to take particular note looking up to to heaven, I'd like to preach tonight on things worth looking up to. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. In Genesis, it's the first time the word look is used, Genesis 9 and 16. And the word look is well represented in the Scripture 153 times in that usage, and there are other usages. But he said, I will look upon it. I have found, and I'm approaching getting close to the 40 year mile marker. And uh, when I came, when I was drawn and was privileged to come to the church, uh, I was just a very young man, and I had no kind of training whatsoever. I was pretty much footloose and rebellious, and very much confused, and just kind of lost in life. You just kind of going from day to day, bouncing off one thing or another, and somehow you continue to keep trying to do something. But uh, find yourself flailing, what did Paul use that terminology, one that beateth against the air, and uh, running with an uncertainty. And so, but when I came to the church, I remember leaving the first service that I went to, and um, I asked my wife as we were walking across the parking lot to our vehicle, I said, "Uh, so what did you think? And she said, well, it sure was different. And my response was, well, they have something I don't, and I want it. And I have always found the church being something that I could look up to, something that I could admire, something that I could uh, focus my energies and my attention and my life, having wanted to give my life to God and to His work. Uh, The church is not something that uh, the enemy would like for you to believe it is. The enemy would like to paint a very ugly picture, and he would like to uh, make you believe that there are flaws, that there are cracks, and there are uh, places where uh, there is problems and confusions and difficulties and things that aren't worth your time. But I have never found the church to be like that. Do I find that there are sometimes individuals who are less than what Jesus exemplified to us? For example, it said he looked at people, a group of them, a multitude of them, and he was moved towards them with compassion. Some people are not moved or motivated by the right thing. But Jesus and his church move with compassion. They Not sympathy. Sympathy will absolutely work more confusion and havoc in life. You don't ever want to get involved with a sympathetic spirit built around mealy mouth little feelings and human spirit. But you do want compassion. Compassion means that you identify with people's problems because you yourself have had problems or have problems, challenges in your life. As the song said, once I was lost. And so you can have compassion because you know but for the grace of God there you would be or worse. You understand in a compassionate manner you do not take the side of sin and people who do wrong. You do not take the side of people who say it wrong and think it wrong and are motivated wrong and show a wrong spirit. You never take that side. That's sympathy. And we never are to be Sympathetic sympathetic spirit will travel with many evil spirits and try to get people to be on the wrong side and become a sympathizer. No! But compassion we will have. I've always found the church to be compassionate. Always found the church to be full of people that looked up to the church. Looked up to heaven. Looked up to God. And found the experience and the help that they needed. And they looked to others with compassion knowing that they once were lost. And wanting others to be saved. Here, Jesus is in the midst of a great multitude. They followed him because they were spiritually hungry, because they longed to hear the things that he had to say, because there were people that were uh, binding heavy burdens that were grievous to be borne, and yet they or carried, but yet they themselves would not lift one little finger to do anything and so uh, Jesus came along and it was a whole different thing they said man his doctrine though it sounds a little different to us it is with power and it is with authority they begin to say that and rumored of him that one of the old prophets had risen up or that he was this one or that one or the other one but then the revelation came through Peter and said thou art the Christ the son of the living spirit you're not just another prophet you are the prophet you're not just another also ran or something you're not a forerunner but you're the very Christ you're the one we look up to you're the one that we see can give us what we have need of in our lives <clears throat> Genesis 15 and 5 carries the part, portion of verse that says look unto heaven the Bible teaches us to not only look unto heaven to admire the heavenly things but also challenges us to set our affections on things that are heavenly, that are above. Things that are spiritual. It is written, while we look not to the things that are Temporal or temporary or carnal or natural or that are going to pass away. No, but you're you're taught to look to the things that are eternal. You look to heaven, you look for heaven's blessings, you look for heaven's divine provision, you look for a street of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper. You look for the sun that will come from him. You the light, in other words, you look for everything he will provide, both here and in the world to come. These are things I I can admire. These are things I can look up to. These are things that will motivate me in the right direction. These are things that will pull me out of the mud, out of the horrible pit. Exodus 3 and 6 we have this runaway by the name of Moses in his blood in his veins flows the blood of the Hebrews, ones who have crossed over. And uh, they're not living on the wrong side in their heart, they're living on the right side. And uh, the intervention of of the enemy and, and much difficulty in life has placed them in a land where they are now mistreated. And Moses has been spared by a good heavenly plan. A mother that was looking to heaven for a way to spare her baby son. Uh, Mothers have an instinct, a maternal instinct towards their their children. I'm going to tell you, if you really care about your child, you won't always leave them uncorrected, and you won't always take up for them, and you won't always excuse them or fail to speak to them when they do it wrong or say it wrong or think it wrong because if you truly love your child you will correct your child you will discipline your child with love and you will help that child to know that there are lines of discipline and, and when you can't do it, then you can look to the church to do it. You can look to God's church to put the right stuff in your child, to direct your child's heart towards the Lord, and to put a proper fear and respect in their heart towards the things that are of God. It's very important that we look up to the church, that we have the proper attitude about the church, about the ministry, about the leadership, about the word of God. Very important. Let me tell you something. Church is not a joke. You should never let things disintegrate in your heart to where that would become your attitude. There are some people that go to church, and it doesn't matter in their eyes how they look, what they wear, because it's just church. It doesn't matter if they're late, because it's just church it doesn't matter what's going on because uh, it's just church. We can we can fool around and we can bump elbows and we can fall asleep or we can get our mind on some other thing instead of what's going on at the church house and the service of God. But I want to tell you, I've never found it to be a joke. I've always found church service to be something to look up to and to look forward to. And there, I could commune with God and God could speak to me. God could inspire me. God could motivate me. Only. in right directions to do the right thing for the right reason. For the right reason. Moses is taken out of a river in a little ark of bulrush because of a because of God who she looked up to. God's thinking. God's way of doing things. She didn't call in everybody everywhere she looked to god needed some help here and i don't say that in the abstract i don't there was not a church system set up at this time there was not leadership set up at this time and this was a woman alone and about to lose her son her baby son and she and her husband i do feel from what i read in the scripture that they were in agreement but that they saw that he was a proper child, and they had they saw great potential, and they wanted him to live for God, and they wanted him to carry on the things of God. And so they devised this plan, I'm going to say, in the Spirit. And they sent him down in an ark of bulrush down the river, and sent their sister, his sister, ahead of this little ark, and said, today you make sure that Pharaoh's daughter is out in the, there by the river where you go sometimes to play and you make sure that she sees the ark and you make sure that you pull that baby out and don't give it away that he's your brother and, and let's hope and pray that God will spare him, that Pharaoh's daughter will look upon him and kind of almost like a puppy dog, a stray one and not let any harm come to him and that's exactly what took place. He cried out at the right moment. And I'm sure God sent an angel to squeeze his big toe, you know, just to get him to at the right time. And here come Pharaoh's daughter with that baby, and she wasn't about to let that baby go anywhere. She raised that baby in Pharaoh's court, but there was a blood that flowed in Moses' veins that throbbed and would not allow him to be an Egyptian. He could not settle for that. There was a difference about him. I can't do it the way you're doing it. I can't think the way you're thinking. I somehow cannot bow down to that son or the God of Ra. I cannot bow down to a river and say that we came out of those little worms and overflow on the bank. No way. I just can't do that. It's something to me that says there's one God and he's a spirit. He's invisible. it has been communicated to me and it's in my spirit and I am a proper child I'm a Hebrew I've crossed over from that land of unbelief and darkness and I'm in, I'm in a place of revelation and light And so Moses thought one day when he'd gotten a little older and checking out his muscles in the mirror feeling pretty good heads on out and sees an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. He takes that Egyptian and shows him his best Bruce Lee move. and The Egyptian is slain. He looks around and he says, oh Kicks a little sand over him, figures that's all right. Nobody will see that. But you see, nothing will cover your sin but the blood. And it wasn't too long that old Mr. E- Egyptian got rigor mortis and he whoosh, sat straight up in the sand. And then it was known, here's two Israelites fussing Must have been Brian and Glenn. They was fussing, joking, pushing one another, saying things to one another. First news you know, smoke's coming out of the ears. And Moses steps in and said, Hey, your brethren. That's a good thing to remember. Your brethren. Why are you fighting? Why are you fussing? What are you doing? (laughs) And they and they one of them looked at him and said, Hey, what are you gonna do? Smite me like you did the Egyptian? Woo! Moses said, I got to go. And he took off into the desert for 40 years. (laughs) A self-imposed 40-year jail sentence out in the middle of the desert. (laughs) But you know, while he was out there, Genesis 3 said that uh, he, he had a little contact, went on with God. And the burning bush experience, But the Bible said in Exodus 3 and 5, that when God appeared to him, he was afraid to look at God. He was afraid to look upon God. And I am very happy for a deep sense of respect that should be there. Uh, I appreciate a deep inbred respect that has been communicated to somebody that they would be respectful of things that really have to do with the real God. But I also have got to tell you, if you'll get your heart right, if your intention will be right, you don't have anything to be afraid about God. You don't have to be fearful in a negative way. You don't have to be a scaredy cat. You don't have to crawl under the bed and feel like a boogaboo is around. You don't have to be afraid of the devil either but that you can commune with God. You can communicate with God. You can have an experience with God. There's nothing to be afraid of because God is not out to hurt you. God is out to save you, to guide you, to lead you, to comfort you, to heal you, to bless you, to hold up your hands and your head. Amen. Job. Had a little something to say towards the end of his book. Well, his book had a little something to say. And that's in Job 35 and verse 9, I think. Uh, something like that. But I want to give you a verse here where Elihu had a little something to say. And he told him that he should, I think it's verse 5, he said, Look unto the heavens. Thirty-five and five. Look unto the heavens and see. Get your eyes opened. Take in what what's what's here and what's provision is made and 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 don't don't frown at it. Don't close your eyes to it. Don't close your ears to it. Don't shut down your heart. Many times I have said to people, I, I should have listened to my my to that inner voice. You know, I wouldn't have got that speeding ticket if I'd have done that. And I and I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have missed my correct turn if I'd have paid attention to that still, small voice, if I'd have looked towards the heavenly thing, if I'd have listened to the heavenly thing that was trying to guide me and encourage me. Look unto the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. God said, my my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are above your ways." We want to be looking in the right direction here. We want to be getting our, we want the heavenly things that we can look up to, things that we can have confidence in, things that we can have well-justified faith in, no matter what anybody says, no matter how dark the clouds get or how stormy it gets or uh, how depressing it might seem or how bad the news or the emotional feeling that you're suffering right now I want you to look up to heaven I want you to admire your God With you to admire is to love with your mind I want you to put your heart in God's hands and believe that whatever is going to happen is going to turn out for the best Believe in your God. Believe in your church. Believe in your prayers. Believe in the experience that God has given you. Believe in his word. Look up to it. This is something worth looking up to. Things that are connected with the spiritual are things that are worth looking up to. Sometimes, particularly young people, have a tendency to to get such... Jollies out of things that are not worth looking up to. Drugs are not worth looking up to. Alcohol is not worth looking up to. The lack of morality in our society and the way the world does it in their so-called relationships is not worth looking up to. Those things always let down. Those things always disappoint. Those things eventually always destroy. They destroy hope and they bring despair. They they take away health and they bring disease. But I want to tell you, you can, looking up to the things of God are things that are worthy of your time, your energy, and your attention. When the world says, oh, and bring something and say did you see that or isn't that cool you need to have some faith and some confidence in what you look up to what you're being taught to look up to what you should have respect to and you need to square your shoulders and get a backbone inside of you and say look this is what's important to me this is what I look up to this is what I admire this is what I consider to be important this is what I believe in. <clears throat> Some people think that when their child comes home and they and they're a little down because they feel like somebody has something one of their so-called friends and I want to underline the word so-called, but peer peer pressure people out on the outside, shall we say, that are living a worldly lifestyle, that are juking and jiving around and talking their junk, and, and strutting, I can't even say their stuff, because they ain't got no stuff. I like that English. Don't grade my English on that one, okay? That's called get on your level English. And, uh, but uh, when they come flaunting and they've got things to say, and they try to act like they just got so much and know so much. You know, and, and your child comes home, you know, with their head down, their ears down, tail between their legs, and, you know, so-and-so, you know. And you need to give them a good, positive talking to. You need to inject. Something, something from the book and from God, something that they can truly look up to, that means something, that will eventually in the long run prove out to be worthy of their admiration and their respect and their obedience to. No, what you know, somebody said, Well, maybe I better let down and go ahead and bring that into my home, and I better you know, provide this for them and let them have that. And let why don't you just Hook up the sewer to your house and pump it in there then. Because that's the equivalent of it. You don't need Hollywood. You don't need Nashville. You don't need New York. You don't need Paris and their slums. You don't need the filth and the garbage of this world. And your children sure don't need it. You're talking about bringing misery to yourself and your home when you do that. Turn your attention to Isaiah. Isaiah 17 and 7. He said, uh, and that day, at that day, at that day, there's going to come a time. At that day, shall a man or a person look to his maker. And that's a capital M. That makes it a proper noun, a special noun. Look to his maker. A boy, a girl, a man, a woman shall look to their maker. He's the one you want to look to for your advice. He's the one that you want to get your leading from and your guidance from, your input from. You, uh, you might want to remember that your eternal soul is at stake. Shall I say the residence, the destination, the final place where you're going to spend all of eternity is at stake here. You don't want to just, you don't want to be looking at that that little fruitcake bouncing around up and down the street in the street corner and trying to make you look like you're not doing anything or somebody sitting in their home in their big fat lazy boy chair. And trying to make you feel like you're just missing out on everything. You want to remember there's going to come a day. And you need to really make that every day in your life. That you look to your maker. Look to God. Look to the maker. Look to the heavens and the heavenly things. And his eyes shall have respect to the holy one. You want to look to Him with respect. You want to look upon the church with respect. The church is not old fashioned. The church is not dowdy. The church is not down and out. The church is not wrong. God is not wrong. The church is not out of step and out of rank and out of sync. The church is right on. The church is where it's supposed to be, doing what it's supposed to be doing, and you need to be a part of that. don't look to your maker don't look to the sewer don't look to the garbage of this world for your role model you don't need Hannah Montana you need Jesus Christ you need the church you need Deborah and Huldah and Mary and others that are in the Bible you need Abraham, Isaac and Jacob Peter, James, and John. You want to look to the right things and let there be respect in your heart and in your eyes. You have respect to the things of God. You respect those things. Those things are precious. Those things are real. They're not things. What did Jesus say? The disciples came to him one day, and they said, hey, we saw this guy casting out devils in your name. And we told him to stop. And Jesus said, uh oh. He said, listen, he said. he said, if anybody is having a move of God in their life like that, he said, they can't speak lightly. They cannot do a miracle in my name and speak lightly of me. If you're in, I know there's lots of nonsense and charlatans out there. That's not what the book is saying. But what I'm trying to make real in your heart, in your life, when you prove all things and you hold fast to that which is good, and you don't take this lightly, then you're going to to definitely. I had a I had a man the other day. He he said uh, in the conversation. Uh, he said three things, three words, and I pointed those words out to him, and I pinned his ears to the wall with them. I said, you said thus, thus, and thus. You said mistake. You said assume, and you said guess. And I said, and what we're talking about, you don't do those three kind of things. I've had people tell me, I have God. And when they got done talking and answering the questions, you knew good and well that they didn't know God. You better realize that what we've got cannot be lightly spoken of. It is real. It is genuine. It is solid. It is balanced, and it works, and God confirms it. He confirms it. had some I was told the other day by a preacher. He said that a uh, big church somewhere in a different state, and he said they had this preacher there, always supposed to be so well-renowned. And he got up, and he said that nobody... Is saved. Now, this is the Holy Ghost, Jesus' name, baptizing church. Been there a long time. And he got up and said that. Nobody corrected him. Nobody sat him down. If you ask me, they should have known better than to even let him get up there to begin with. And uh, people on their feet screaming when he's saying, Nobody's saved. He said, Because the Bible said, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And I'm saying, our Sunday school kids know what that means. That's ABCs. And this guy is in a pulpit and claiming to know something? You know, you might want to be careful here. You might want to get in the book a little bit. might want to do a little subject study might want to listen to some good, solid meat and potatoes preaching and teaching that will help you to know what this Bible is saying and what God is saying and that you can look with respect and your ears, my point is, can try words even as your taste buds try food. You want to test it. You want to know what's right. You don't want to just swallow any hook, line, and sinker because it will sink you. Want to sink? Then you do what Jesus said. You let the Bible sink down into your ears. He said, "Let that good word sink down in there." take heed. Pay attention. Don't don't be susceptible and gullible to where anything that comes along, you just hey, yeah 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 yeah. You know, you got to get a little discernment about you here. You know, you can't be swayed by every little Wind of doctrine that comes along. You need to get your mind on the good word of God, and you need to look to your Maker, and you need to look at Him with eyes that have respect. All right, I'm also in in Isaiah 33 tonight. I'm glad to be in His house, and I'm glad to be here with you. I hope you're glad to be here with me. All right, we're uh, Isaiah 33. Verse 20. It says, look upon Zion. Now, Zion is a word that is used for the church. Okay, in the New Testament, that's how you look at it. Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. That means it's a place of serious respect. It's not a place to joke around and fool around and play around and clown around and let your mind be uh, distracted on other things. It is not a place to to come in lightheartedly and speaking lightly. It is, it is a place of, of seriousness and soberness and grave respect. Deep respect. That's why I don't allow people to bring water bottles into the sanctuary. If you've got one, just don't do it again. I don't, I don't like gum chewers in God's house. Not only because it gets in the carpet and under the pew and in the fabric and everything else, but because if you're chewing gum, Chances are you're not listening right. Chances are it's very hard to worship. ah, You know? We're here to worship God. We're not here to play around. We're not here to to be our mind wandering somewhere else or to look like a cow grazing in a field. (laughs) You know? Mints. Mints are good. Bring lots of mints. Mints are good. don't mind the mints. Some people need a few mints. They need the energy. Look unto Zion. Look at the church. Look upon it with the right attitude. Look upon it with respect. Look at the church and and see the good. See the strength. See the guidance. See the leadership. See all of the good things that God provides through the body of believers. Look unto Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation. That means a peaceful habitation. Okay, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. I'm telling you, God's church is not going backwards. It's not going down. Some people are going to go backwards. Some people are going to go down. Some people are going to turn right and left. I'm not happy about that. Some people are going to compromise, but God has got a church. he got a wheel within the wheel, honey. He's got a body of believers, and they're going in the first resurrection. They're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And people that are serious, minded I'm not talking about extremism neither. Always walking around. No, I'm not talking about that. No, I'm about you come to church and, and and you got you're firing on all pistons here. Come to worship your Lord. Okay, I didn't come to fall asleep. You've heard of these places they go and they. Uh, oh, people think that they. I had a guy out here. You can be re- seated. God bless you. I had a guy out here on the job. We were pouring concrete, and he was a stranger to us. He was part of a crew, and uh. We, of course, wind up trying to witness to everybody. And, and he says, well, I, I like that guy on the television. He calls the name. I said, yeah. I said, and that guy on the television is going to put your soul in hell. But he's so funny. That's what he said to me. Well, you want a comedian and go to hell, or you want truth and sobriety and go to heaven? Choice is yours. You know, sometimes you got to just fire both barrels. Don't hold back. It might be your only chance. You got to get their attention. I said, Man, you just want to be deceived. You just want no accountability. You just want to be able to sit back with your crackerjack box. Don't you know they've got these big places and all it is is a business. And they get them somebody that looks good under the camera and under the lights. And they got a board behind that guy and they're all making big bucks. That's all it is, and they put them nice, comfy theater seats out there, and they'll even give you a little video screen that you can look at and get a closer look at everything, and also they will serve. There'll be a guy, peanuts, popcorn. Would you like something to drink while you're in church tonight? Oh, I remember years ago when I first came into church. We lived in an apartment building, and behind the apartment building, about a half a mile away, was a drive-in theater and it went out of business. But somebody came in there and said he was turning into a church, and he said, all you got to do is blink your lights to let me know you're saved. Hmm? I see blinking lights. I start thinking there's a trooper somewhere around. I thank that person that blinked at me. But I'm not thinking he's telling me I just took Christ as my personal Savior. You know? <laughs> oh, we're living in a very deceiving world. And I'm trying to tell you, you want to respect the truth of the scriptures that Jesus Christ has given to his church. And you want to look to the church. You want to look upon it with respect. You want to look upon it with the right attitude. You don't want to down it. You don't want to make fun of it. You don't want to try to deteriorate and water down and dilute anything. You don't want to get some kind of uppity attitude that you've outgrown certain things. you never outgrow your God. You will never outgrow the Word of God. You will never outgrow your teacher. You should be as your teacher, but you're not going to outgrow your teacher. You look upon the church you realize that it's a place of great respect and a place of I don't like to see people come to church slipshod. you leave your flip flops at home by the shower you come to church look like you're going to church sorry if you're wearing them tonight just don't do it again had a little girl come here Sunday morning, and she broke her heel. We went right down to Sinsettfeld's Second Blessing Boutique and got that girl a pair of shoes. We will help you, okay? We will tell you, and if if telling isn't enough and you need a little help, we'll help you. We have a a clothing bank, if you please. We're going to help you. You've never heard of help a brother? Well, we'll help a sister, too. We're in the helping business. Trouble is, sometimes correction, some people don't view that as helping. But correction and getting it right in your mind, in your heart, is the greatest present you're going to get. We're going to get to the root of the matter. The church is going to help you here. It's going to help you in every way, shape, and form. Jesus is our example. And the book said, in his flesh, he gave the example of looking up to heaven and then he began to bless we want a, the blessings to come and they will when you look heavenward when you look in the right direction when you look to the right one I'm in uh, another good scripture Isaiah, they're all good Isaiah 50, 51 and 2 said look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bare you that's God and the church in shadow and type right there you look unto Abraham, and you remember Lazarus, and he was in the bosom of Abraham, he was in the embrace, and that's what the fellow in hell saw, that's what the little girl in hell saw, that's what the little boy in hell saw, they, he looked up and said, whoa, I see Lazarus, oh, Lazarus, you witnessed to me, you told me to go to church, and I didn't do it, but I'm praying now, too late to pray now. That's where the preacher told the Bible school, young man that had to, called and said, I I have to, I have to preach and speak at, at, uh, at chapel. And uh, he said, actually, it was more like a a speech class or a Bible study, speech class or something. And he said, "I, I don't know what to do. I said, go up to the podium, wherever you're going, and turn around and look at everybody and say, what in hell you need? There's five things in hell you need. That rich man prayed. You need to pray. He was in hell, and he prayed. You need prayer. Oh, there's a lot of prayer in hell, but it's not going anywhere because there's a great gulf, a great chasm, a great, I'm using the word literally. You understand that. There is such a place. There's a great, great divide between heaven and hell. There was a burden in hell. I have five brethren. I have people back there Tell them not to come here. We had a burden. Oh, we need a burden. There's some things in hell we need. And you know what? The church has them. But we got them at the right time, in the right place, at the right moment. We got them here right in the land of the living. We got them here before Jesus has come. We have the opportunity to use these things and put these things to good. Don't lose respect for these things. Don't lose faith in these things. You look up to these things. You admire these things. Let me tell you, people who live for God are respected people. It was written in the book of Ruth, All the city doth know that thou art a virtuous woman, that you wouldn't do that, and you don't do that, and you don't go there. You don't look upon that. You don't do this. Oh, they know my. faith friend, and they've been looking, and they respect, you need to respect what they're respecting, you have the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in Jesus' name, your sins are fully pardoned, your life has been cleaned up, you're not hanging out in the bars and dancing on the bar, you're not hanging out in the bad places, going to bad place with the bad people doing the bad thing. I know it disgusts everybody that at the foot of the cross that there were people gambling over his clothes, right? You don't like that? That's terrible! Make sure, make sure that they know that you're not one of those that gambles in the presence of Jesus. You're not going to gamble with this truth. You're not going to gamble with this salvation. And you're not going to run with those kind of people and have that kind of disrespect and that lightheartedness and tomfoolery and nonsense. You're not going to be like that. You're not going to be like that. So he said, you look to Abraham and that's what the rich man in hell did. He looked up and he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, type of God. He was trying to show him and us something that you could relate to. Sarah, Sarah is a type of the church. The body of Christ, the woman gives birth the sons and daughters of God. We're not changing that system, that formula, that plan that God instituted through the church for children to be born again. We're not changing that. It's baptism in Jesus' name and it's the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. And from Romans to Revelation, it's you keep on keeping on and God will help you to keep on keeping on. The Holy Ghost that He gives you will lead and guide you into all truth. He will protect you divinely. He will put angels to patrol the grounds around you. So you remember to look. You look to the right thing. You look to Abraham. Abraham. You look to Sarah. I often think of, of course, many things that my pastor said and taught to me. And there were others that grew up under his ministry and were so blessed and wise. And I was brand new in the church. I remember an old sister Powell getting up one night. She was old then. And she said, it's nice to be nice. And there's a lot of wisdom in that little phrase, that little statement. It is nice to be nice. It's nice nice to have the nice spirit, to have the right attitude. Not to be quarrelsome anymore. Not to have a bad temper anymore. It's nice to be nice. It's nice to be delivered from where no bad words come out of your mouth. That's not in your heart anymore. We don't speak that way anymore. It's nice to be nice. Another dear old sister, Sister Cannon, she stood up one night and just opened her mouth and out came a huge gold nugget. She said, God knows how to run his business. I, I admire that. God knows how to run his business. I don't have to tell God how to run his business. He, There's nothing that I could add to God. There's nothing that I could point out. Even, even that old sinner Pilate and Herod, they looked and they said, find no fault in him. Man, them, these were bad dudes, man. I find no fault in him. Suppose we just chasten him a little bit and send him down the road so he can heal some more people and open some more blind eyes, raise some more dead folks. What do you say? Hey, you know, the guy's doing a pretty good job out there. What you say? Crucify him! That's what they said. They had no respect. The only thing they cared about was what their flesh wanted to do. They wanted to do what they wanted to do more than they wanted to look to the things that should be respected. They had more. They had respect unto filthy and unclean things. Consequently, they had disrespect unto the things that were holy and wholesome and sanctified. It's important that we look to Abraham, our father, and Sarah that bear you, your mother, spiritually. For I called him alone, and I blessed him, and I increased him. And he said, And the Lord shall comfort Zion. And I could keep on reading, but I won't right now. So many good things. Let us, we're in something that we can look up to. We're a part of something that we can lift up our eyes and our heads and our mind and our heart, and we can look up to this. We don't have to, to look away ashamed. We don't have to look away in embarrassment and humiliation. We can look up here we can, he's the lifter up of our head. We can look up here, and I mean, I was so glad when I came into church, I told everybody, I went back home and told everybody it didn't matter how they cussed me out, or threw me out, or threatened this, or threatened that, didn't matter, didn't matter. I I got this, I'm looking up, I see what God has done in my life. They said, we'd rather see you divorced and in drugs than being, of course they would act like that, because they don't have respect. They're not looking to the maker. They don't have the experience yet. They're lost and their sin and their confusion and their misery and how many of them are dead how many in sin and and physically dead and now eternally dead how many people have gone down the wrong path and have nothing but an eternity of regret to live with I don't want to lift up my eyes in hell and say I wish that I listened to the church I want to do it now let me look at it now let me look upon the church now with respect these things are things you can look up to. You can remain standing. Micah, little book, verse 7, chapter 7. He said, I will look unto the Lord. I'm going to look to the Lord. You want to make up your mind, you're going to look to the Lord. Doesn't matter. Listen, the Bible said the church is going to be hate of all men and all nations for his namesake. Now, we're not actively campaigning for that. We're not uh, flying placards, hate us. You know, we're not doing that, you know. We're trying to reap the harvest. We're trying to do the, the calling that God has given to the church, birthing sons and daughters into the body of Christ. We're trying to march forward and strive to do that and take people to heaven. We want to do what we're called to do. And, and, and the result sometimes of that is that evil spirits are going to infect people and inflame people and they're going to hate. And what it is is the Spirit in them hates the Holy Ghost Spirit in you. And they do don't think the devil don't know you. He knows you. He looked at Jesus, Jesus getting ready to cast out the devil. He said, I know who you are, thou holy one of the spirit. Are you come to torment me before the time? And Jesus never answered back and said, Yeah, buddy, I'm fixing to give it to you. He didn't do that at all. He didn't have to respond that way. He just simply told him to shut up and get out. I like that. This is my kind of talk. Know how to deal with the devil. Know how to get rid of the threat. Know how to get that off of your child. Off of the people that you love. That you don't want that old nasty spirit on them. You got to stand up in the Holy Ghost. You do it in the right spirit. You do it with the right heart. But you let them know what you're looking up to. And you tell them by, and show them by example. What they ought to be looking up to. This is what you should look up to. This is what you would should respect. Not that hole on the street corner. Not that drug addict with the tracks up and down his arm. And his nostrils blown out. And his mind No, that's not what you look up to. You don't look up to the celebrities of this world. They're not your role models. They're not your role models. I will look unto the Lord. And when you say you look unto the Lord, that means the things that are connected with Him, things that are attached to Him. Zechariah 12 and 10 said, They shall look with respect. Oh, it's going to come. I promise you that guy in hell was saying, "Man, Lazarus, you the man. Woo, you were right. Wow, everything you said. You didn't look too good, Lazarus, to me. You know the church doesn't look good when you're looking through them devil-like eyes, with, a, with that that worldly type of thinking and attitude. There's a tendency. There's a feeling." That, that comes up and wells up in people and they disdain and just like Goliath looked at David and said what they send me out a dog he said come on you little chihuahua I'm going to feed you to the beasts of the field huh. see the problem is he didn't see that big angel behind David the one that he had to look up to because he was so tall you ever read that in the Bible that happened to Joshua and Joshua was down there looking at the man's ankle bone the ankle bone up here Joshua, about six foot tall. And who would you be? And whose side are you on? He said, I'm come as the captain of the Lord's host. I'm on your side. Thank God. Woo! am I glad you're on my side come on you know God's on the side of people that look up to him you know God's going to be there when you need him you know God's going to lift up your head when everything's looking to push you down and put you in depression and tell you there's no hope let me tell you with God there's not just hope there's eternal hope not just hope for this life but hope for the world to come amen Things got so rough in one guy's life, and he got so blinded, and got so messed up that uh, that uh, he couldn't see. Couldn't see. Now, what the writer said, look up and see. He couldn't see, and crosses paths with Jesus. And Jesus prays for him. He said, uh, "So, what do you see now?" He said, "Well, I." see man, but they look like trees walking around. In other words, they're still not quite focused, still a little blurry. You know, there's some people get around to church. (laughs) Oh, Lord, it takes them a long time to get things in focus. You know, you wonder how long they're going to dress wrong, how long they're going to think wrong, how long they're going to stay involved with odd and weird things and keep trying to convince themselves that they're all right. You wonder how long. But you know what our attitude is, the things we look up to? things we look up to are the things that come from heaven oh we'll tolerate we'll work with you we'll pray for you we'll keep laying hands on you and and pray that you don't wind up like that fellow in hell saying oh you were right why why did I drag my feet so much why was I so slow what did Jesus got mad one time more than one time he he got upset and the Bible said that he looked at the disciples and he upbraided them you guys know when I'm upbraiding you right he was he was giving them a talking to and a dressing down. He was trimming their tree. He was walking their dog. Friend. <laughs> and He upbraided them for their hardness of heart and their unbelief. And because they were so thick-skulled that they still weren't understanding after all this time. And Somewhere you got to tell yourself that there's just a strong human spirit that is determined to have its own way but say, I'm okay. We could wrap that one, couldn't we? Jesus Jesus um, took this individual said, you see it shadowy, huh? It's not quite focused yet, huh? He said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. He said, we're going to pray again. And the Bible said he made him look upward, made him look up. Jesus, his church can exert an authority that will just make you look up. Look in the direction you should look. Admire and respect what is worthy of your admiration and your respect. The church, God, His Word is worthy of you. It's something you can look up to. And then He said, well, how is it now? He said, man, I see everything clearly. Why did I ever think like I used to think? Why did I ever go the place I used to go? I still, from time to time, will remember things I've done and burn with humiliation. (laughs) Say, what were you thinking? (laughs) Obviously, I wasn't looking to my maker at that time in my life. I didn't know him then. And that doesn't mean that sometimes, even after we get this, that we don't stumble, get a little blurry, a little out of focus on things, go through challenges. But, you know, I'm telling you, you keep looking up. You keep going forward. You get yourself to the house of God and get you a fresh shot Ain't nothing wrong with anybody, but a good dose of the Holy Ghost won't cure it. It will cure it, my friend. It will absolutely take care of it. You just need to respect it. You need to look to the church. You need to look to your maker. You need to look to the Word of God, and you need to let all of that work together to get you to look up to things that you should look up to. Let's take a moment and lift our hearts with our hands. Thank you, Jesus. Put my vision in focus, Lord.